Today's reading is uh, taken from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, which you'll find on uh, page 1002 of your Pew Bibles. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. As David said, yesterday we had um, the church open for Heritage Day and we had a lot of people come in, which is wonderful. Some of our own church family coming and looking around the church. Some people who didn't know the church at all, which was just amazing to see different people come in and look around. And it made me realise that I don't often look at the church that it's very easy to come in and think I know what the church is like. And I love these opportunities of actually spending some time looking more clearly at the church, which is why we've put, you know, we've kept out the, the cope and mitre of Bishop Randolph, matching the cope and mitre he's wearing in the window. So that's a really interesting window that we've got. But the one next to it, the biggest stained glass window we have, I wonder if you've ever spent much time looking at that. It's a picture of Jesus and John the Baptist. And why is it the largest window we have? Because we are the church of St. John the Baptist. And that picture is from our Bible reading that we have just heard. That sense, that, that picture and that story of John the Baptist baptizing Jesus in the River Jordan. The heaven opening, the dove coming down, and the voice, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So it's a really important picture for us. It's a really important reminder of baptism, of what baptism is all about. And this morning it's been a real joy to baptise Harper because it reminds us of our own baptism. It's wonderful to, um, to celebrate with Harper and her family, but at the same time as committing to support her, we remember the significance of baptism for us all within the Christian church, why baptism is so important. We follow the example of Jesus, 
who himself was baptised in the river Jordan. But if you read this passage and think carefully about what it's saying, it's obvious that baptism existed before Jesus. That Jesus didn't institute the sacrament of baptism. That baptism was part of the Jewish tradition. And various people were going around and baptising others. John the Baptist was one of several who were baptising. But the baptism that John the Baptist offered was a little bit different to those around him. He was offering a baptism of repentance. The opportunity to turn your life around. He was saying you can come and be baptised and recognise the lives we live We don't like the way we live our lives sometimes and we long for that to be different. And that symbolic act of baptism was showing that we can come to God and to repent of our sins, to say, I'm sorry for the life that I am living, but I know that in you I have got the opportunity to turn my life around. And John was offering that baptism. But he also said... The one who comes after me is going to offer you something even more. He knew that Jesus was coming and was going to offer something more that had never been offered before. He says, I baptise with water, but Jesus, the one who comes after me, will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And we have that beautiful picture of the, of the heavens opening, as I said, when, when Jesus was baptised and that sense of the dove, the Spirit being part of baptism. And today we have prayed for the Spirit to come and for Harper to be filled with that sense of God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit, following the example of Jesus. John the Baptist is such an important character in our Bibles. He's such an important person to look to, to understand what was he like and what can we learn from him. He was quite a strange character. He wore clothes made of camel's hair. He ate locusts and wild honey. And we have this image of this rather strange man wandering through the desert in slightly odd clothes, eating slightly odd food. And you think, why would I want to be like him? He lived an unusual life. But he had a powerful message. After me will come one more powerful than I. He knew what he was about. And he knew his purpose in life. Just to fill you in a little bit on the background, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. You'll remember from the Christmas story that Mary realises that she's expecting Jesus. And she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who also miraculously, in her old age, is expecting a baby. And that baby is John the Baptist. And the lovely story of of in her womb, John the Baptist recognises Jesus in the womb before they're even born. They are close. They are cousins. And John the Baptist was born to Elizabeth and to Zechariah. Zechariah struggled to believe that this was going to happen. And during the pregnancy, he was struck dumb. But he was able to speak again once John was born. And one of the first things he spoke was a prophecy over his son. In that time of silence, he had drawn very close to God and God had spoken to him. And God revealed to him what John the Baptist was going to be doing. And he, as I say, he spoke this prophecy over him. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. 
Words that resonate with a passage in Isaiah that was quoted in our passage today. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus and to point others towards him. What a ministry. What a privilege. He knew who Jesus was and his whole purpose on life was to point to Jesus. And you'll see many classical paintings in art galleries of John the Baptist, unlike this one, on his own, where he's pointing. He came to point to Jesus. Now, I think that's hugely relevant. If we are the church of John the Baptist, our purpose is to point to Jesus in our own lives, in the way we live our lives, to know Jesus deep in our hearts, to continue to know him, to realize that we might think we know him, but the more we learn about him, the more we don't know about him, and to spend our lives learning more and more about who Jesus is. That is why we're here. But it's not just for us. As we come to know Jesus more and more, so our hearts should long that others come to know him to experience the love that we have, the life that we have in Jesus. That's not just to be kept in the confines of these four walls on a Sunday morning. That is good news for the world. And as people of the Church of St. John the Baptist, we are here to point others to Jesus. I love that. I love that image, that simple pointing Because in all those paintings, it looks straightforward and easy. John the Baptist knew who he was. His life was not straightforward. And it ended up in death. But he knew from the very beginning what God was asking him to do. His ministry was to point to Jesus. And that simple paintings that that we see of a man pointing. That is simple. That is our call as a church, to point others to Jesus. I could end there. And we'd all say, yeah, that's really simple, that's great. But what does that look like in real life? Because that's where it starts getting tricky. Because we know that's our purpose. We know that our purpose is to point others towards Jesus. The struggle is knowing what does that look like on a day-to-day basis and how do I go about doing that? And does it mean that every time I'm on a bus I need to preach the gospel to the person sitting next to me? That may not be your gifting. It was Esther's gifting. And Esther would talk to everybody on the bus about Jesus. But she could do that naturally because God had gifted her in that way. Most of us are not gifted in that way. So what does it mean to point others towards Jesus? This is a conversation we had on Monday night at the PCC. Thinking about our priorities over the next couple of years. Where is God calling us to place our energies, our people resources, our financial resources? And as a PCC, we had a real sense that God is speaking to us at the moment. And he's saying, keep looking further outwards. Keep turning ministries outwards. Maintain your outward focus. It's an exciting thing to hear from God. An exciting message that also can fill us with a little bit of trepidation. But look outwards is what we sensed God is saying to us. And it's important to share that with you. The PCC represents the whole body here. And we are feeling that God is saying, 
point outwards. On Wednesday night, we had home groups here. And we heard stories from people from every home group. And we talked again about what does it mean for a home group to have an outward-looking focus. So this is where we need to get a little bit more practical. And when we say that we're kind of looking outwards, that does not mean to say that we forget our discipleship, our fellowship, and our worship. But it means don't neglect the looking outwards because all the energies is going into keeping the church going. Yes, it is precious when we come together. But how much more precious to take what we have here to a world that is craving it. So we're not going to neglect our worship. We're not going to neglect our fellowship. In some ways, we have to be stronger. Stronger in knowing who we are and looking out for each other. Giving us that base to be able to take something to the world. But we can think practically. What could that look like? And yesterday was a great example where we meet people and open up our doors and say, come in. Lots of people came in and felt a warmth of welcome. A free cup of coffee and some lovely cakes. That speaks of generosity. And yes, it's our generosity, but actually we are only doing it because of God's generosity to us. Simple ways in which we can connect with our community, like Heritage Day. And thank you so much for those who came to help, to be amongst those who are coming in and to offer God's welcome. As I said, on Wednesday we were thinking about home groups. What does it mean for a home group to have a, an outward-looking focus? It might be adopting a mission partner and praying regularly for that mission partner. It might be getting involved in some things within the life of our village. All sorts of ways. It might be by keeping informed. I was really impressed with um, Bob's group that was, um, they spent an evening looking at modern day slavery. Keeping in touch and being informed about things beyond our four walls. Not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking what is going on out there? How do we inform ourselves and how do we begin to meet the people beyond our walls? Over this term, we're going to have a a short sermon series, five weeks of looking at the five marks of mission. You might never have heard of the five marks of mission. Don't worry, most people haven't. But the Anglican Church worldwide during the 1980s spent time reconsidering what mission meant. And mission is more than just people from the West going to Africa with the gospel. We've gone beyond that understanding, that very simple understanding of what mission is. And mission is diverse. Mission is about God's kingdom. And we need to understand that that should have nuances to it. And the five marks of mission give us five ways of understanding what good mission involves. It's discipleship. It's proclamation of the gospel. It's care, loving acts of service. I'm going to begin to forget. It's um, the environment and my fourth one, social justice. Number four is social justice and number five is caring for the environment. And we're going to spend five weeks looking at that and you may follow that up in home groups as well. But helping us to understand the breadth of that outward looking focus. Really, really practical. How we welcome people as on Heritage Day is a way in which we can maintain that outward focus. And here I'm going to do a little bit of a plug. On Tuesday, we've got a funeral. Last Wednesday, we had a funeral with about 200 people come to it. 
And it's superb to be able to offer, at a time of sadness, a place of welcome and hospitality. For all our funerals, we have someone leading the service and we have a verger on duty. And for most funerals, that's enough. On Wednesday, that wasn't enough. And I wasn't taking the service, so I was outside helping people find a car parking space and telling them once the car park was full that they needed to find somewhere else. We've got another potentially large funeral on Tuesday afternoon. I'm leading it, and Sarah Jo is coming to be the verger for it. If two people could come and help us, it would make our welcome much better than it can be with just two. So if you could come on Tuesday afternoon from 2 o'clock onwards, the service starts at 2.30, either to help direct some cars or to help people find their seats when they come in. It's not difficult. But actually it's about that outward-looking focus that says our welcome and our hospitality matters. Do talk to me afterwards if you can help in that way. End of plug. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if we are about pointing to Jesus, we have received a welcome from Jesus. And we should do everything we can to offer that welcome to the people we meet, especially those who come in to our church. We are the church of St. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist knew his purpose in life. He prepared the way. He baptised And he delighted in pointing others to Jesus. Let's follow his example. Amen.